0: Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I get to chat with one of the 50 greatest Vikings, running back Dave Osborne. Well, Pete, before we talk to Ozzy, as we all love to affectionately call him, uh, try to recap that Saints uh, game. Uh, Speaking of running backs, a guy named Alvin Kamara had a pretty good day, six touchdowns. Uh, not the most glorious opportunity for the Vikings defense to shine on national television. And it was one to, to forget about, honestly.
1: Yeah, it was. And, and, and we try to make this game complicated sometimes. And, and it's really pretty simple. And if you lose the battle up front, you lose the battle on the line of scrimmage, you're going to have uh, issues, especially with stopping the run. You know, very young linebackers, inexperienced defensive line. The writing was on the wall before going down there. Uh, and you were hoping that the that the defense was 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 on the mend, meaning it was playing better and better. When you lose a guy like Kendricks, I mean, uh, to to name one of many uh, starters that we were supposed to have, it's embarrassing. And and you want as a player to fix it, and hopefully they're you know going to go about doing it now and turn things around against Detroit.
0: How anxious are you to see what the Vikings are going to do this off season as far as retooling? There's defense, whether it means uh, getting Daniel Hunter on a new contract, obviously Anthony Barr's situation, Michael Pierce coming back after he opted out this year to kind of plug that big hole in the middle. But uh, is it a major overhaul or some tweaks here and there if those people come back?
1: Well, the one good thing is you you have two rookie corners who are going to just continue to get better and better year Mm -hmm. after year. Um, You still need a third corner. Mike Hughes has been injured you can hope to have him, but I don't know if you should plan on him. You know, we'll see about the, you know, Anthony Harris at safety, but you need, you need at least two bodies on the defensive line. And I think, uh, you know, offensive line wise, maybe a guard or two, you know, just depending on what you think Ezra Cleveland and overall, not a, not a ton of, of holes to fill there, Rosie. You know, it's not a, the cupboards are not bare. Thank goodness. And, um, you know, if they continue to, ha- if they have a draft this year, like they did last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, get two or three starters out of the draft, we'll be in good shape.
0: Well, Pete, if you are a uh, Viking fan of a certain age, you know all about our guests tonight. And if you're not, you should know about this man because Dave Osborne, I think symbolizes the Minnesota Vikings as much as anyone who's ever suited up for them. I mean, his work ethic, his blue collar attitude, Uh, His can-do attitude, I mean, literally and figuratively from can-do North Dakota. Dave Osborne, thanks for joining us tonight. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you uh, youngsters. Boy, I haven't been called that in a long time. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So much to catch up with you about Dave Osborne. Uh, First of all, I mentioned can-do North Dakota. You were born in Everett, Washington. So how in the world did you end up in North Dakota?
2: Well, I'll tell you, my dad was a farmer and we were on the farm in uh, can-do North Dakota. And that was during World War II. And they, the army, or they called people, the government did, they needed farmers to work. So my dad went out to Everett, Washington for the winter to work uh, in the shipyard, building ships to send to the war. And it was just a, a winter job. So in the spring, when the snow started melting, we all drove back to Kandu. But I was born at the time we were out at Everett uh, when he was working in the shipyard. So that's how that all happened.
1: Wow. And and Super Dave, I, I mean I know my one question is is how did you come about the moniker of Super Dave Osborne?
2: Well, I don't know. I guess I done everything 100 miles an hour. You know, I wasn't <laughs> the most talented. I wasn't the most talented uh, player that ever went on the field, and I looked pretty rough, you know. But uh, I went wide open all the time and 100 miles an hour, and by doing that. You know, Van Brocklin said, hey, I like this kid. He goes wide open. He'll run through the wall if I tell him to. So I guess just through hard work and determination, you know, that, that's how I really made it and lasted for 12 years.
1: And, and Rosie, 100 miles an hour is no joke because I've seen Super Dave uh-huh. and Lertzema on the snowmobiles at the Arctic Blast <laughs> doing well over 100 miles an hour. You know, I don't know to how be? we
2: survived. <laughs> yes, I don't. Yes, it is. I don't know how we survived those days. Uh, now I don't even want to get on one unless I go about 10 mile an
0: hour. <laughs> well, Dave, take us back before uh, that, before your, your rookie or whatever. You were drafted, and people find this hard to believe. In the 13th round, there were that many rounds in the NFL draft, believe it or not, 1965. So you're sitting, what, by carrier pigeon or telephone? How do they tell you you were drafted by the Vikings? And you're thinking... It's the 13th round. You know, uh, back in those days, they had like 22 rounds, I believe, what there
2: was wow. during those days. But there was only 12 teams. So the uh, numbers, there right. was only 12 teams. So actually, then the, the draft was in November. So when they had the draft. So we just got through with our football season, and the Vikings had called, and they said, we'd like you to, we'd like to fly you and your wife to Minneapolis to be here for the draft. So that's what they did. They flew Bev and I down here, put us up at the holiday Inn while the draft was going on. And what the strategy was at that, they would, they isolated you from everybody else. So no other team could contact you. Oh, so goodness. I got down there, got up in a motel room and this uh, guy came and his wife and took Bev shopping and they uh, they kept me in the room. They wouldn't let me out of the room. And, uh, <laughs> so I stayed there, there while the draft was, was going on and, uh, they said, Well, finally the guy came in and said, Well, the Vikings drafted you number thirteen and we here's the contract we want you to sign. I said, Well, I can't sign a contract because you know I I gotta go back to University of North Dakota and my eligibility for track, I was a track runner too, but mm-hmm. I lose my eligibility. Oh, they said we don't want we don't want our running backs running on track. It makes you too thin and stretches your muscles out. We, so anyway, that wasn't true, but uh, they offered me a 1500 hour bonus to sign immediately well in the meantime i was talking to bud grant on the phone Bud grant was the coach at winnipeg mm-hmm. and bud said well we'll we'll give you two thousand dollars bonus so i told the vikings well these bud grant said they're going to give me two thousand dollars so they will well, we'll up that we'll give you two thousand dollars so they gave me two thousand dollars and and uh, nine thousand dollar contract two thousand dollar bonus and you know, back then, $2,000 was, was quite a bit. My my wife and I went home and uh, we bought a new couch, chair, <laughs> 10 tables for $199. We paid oh, for the my. whole set, de- delivered, delivered to the house. So that was back in the, the old days. And I tried my darndest not to sign that day because I promised my track coach I would run track in the spring. And I was probably their top guy for scoring points on the track team. And so... But they said, "Well, no, we don't want our athletes running track. We just don't want you to do that. We want you to sign you right now." And so anyway, the only way Jeff and I got home is to sign the contract, so we could let us out of there. That's mm. the story.
1: Well, you had goodness, you had two thousand reasons to not run track, and with the misses at the mall, maybe you had to, you know, you had to sign to help pay for that credit card bill. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's that's
1: exactly. That's exactly right. It was. It was a lot different, you know, in those days
2: than it is today. You know, but it was. I'm glad I made the decision I made. I'm playing for basically my hometown team, you might say, the Vikings, and you uh, know, be able to stay here my whole career and live here and still remain here. It was a blessing that it all worked out the way it did.
1: Now, Dave, you were part of the first uh, three Super Bowl trips uh, versus the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. Uh, what are your memories from those big games?
2: Well, I remember those those big games that we went down there, uh, you know, a week early. And uh, we practiced and we practiced and we practiced, you know, and, and we actually almost – I sometimes think we burnt ourselves out almost, you know, before the, before the games. Uh, we got into the games and, I mean, we played as poorly as we played all year when we got to those Super Bowls. And I, I sometimes think maybe we just burnt ourselves out during the week. We should have played about Wednesday. We'd have been, we'd have been ready. But uh, the other teams just outplayed us. And, you know, you know, when you get into the Super Bowl, both teams are good. And whoever has the big day and makes the big plays, they, they win the game. And that's basically what happened. To, but you don't know happen four times.
0: Because <laughs> Bud Grant really had a reputation of kind of maximizing the time uh, for you guys showing up at the, the stadium or practice or whatever it might be. And I don't, I don't think of Bud being one of those guys that you're going to stay up all night. And, and you know, he's, he wasn't that way himself. Uh, he went duck hunting when he could, you know, a lot of coaches were studying playbooks. But uh, Bud
2: has strict rules, and you you obeyed by his rules. And, you know, that's why Bud had the same players pretty much year after year after year. You know, a young guy didn't want to be drafted by the Vikings because his odds of making the team were kind of slim, or, mm-hmm. you know, because Bud just went with, he went with the people who he, that got him there, you might say, you know. And, you know, that's why Bill Brown and I, we were the starting backs, the same two guys, I think, for nine straight years. I mean, that's almost unheard of. And, you know, and neither one of us were the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. Uh, we didn't make mistakes. We ran straight ahead. We got yards. And Bud didn't want to throw the ball. Bud always said, hey, if we, if we can get two, three yards every play on the ground, we don't need to throw the ball. Too many bad things can happen when you throw the ball. And uh, that's why we were just a old grinder-out type offense. And then to kick it off, we had a great defense. You know, we had Marshall Eller-Page and Larson. Those guys could stop anybody. And so they'd get us the ball back, and in we'd go Remember, the defense would always say, come on, guys, score a couple points, will you? You know, our games used to be 6-3 or 10-6 <laughs> and all those low-scoring games. because We just tried to control the ball. Our defense to keep them from scoring.
1: Are you ready for winter weather? Fleet Farm has what you need to stay safe and warm. Pick up everything from snow throwers and tires to heaters and boots. Fleet Farm, we've got you covered. We'll be right back with more school Stories presented by CenturyLink right after this.
0: It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. And now back to more Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink
1: with running back Dave Osborne. Now, Dave, you're down in Lakeville now, and I'm. Uh, have you ever been driving around and, and seeing a six foot five? goofy, short-armed guy that walks with a, with a wobble uh, named Bob Lertzema? And have you ever thought of oh, just yeah. kind of veering over to the side of the road and kind of putting him out of his misery? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a good one. Bob and I
2: lived real close together. about 100 yards apart for a lot of years and would run around Orchard Lake. I would run around Orchard Lake, and Bob would walk around Orchard Lake. And that was the difference. And I'd always meet him on the trail and so forth. And he'd always tell me, I'm going to wear myself out. Uh, doing all that running. What he does now, he walks around there, gets coffee, and then walks back home.
0: And Bob's getting skinny. He's he's getting in shape now. He's that he's playing weight. You mentioned uh, Bill Boom Boom Brown. And I think for anyone who grew up watching the Vikings like I did and got to know him later on in life, uh, you guys spent a lot of time together, as you mentioned, again, talking to Dave Osborne. And take us through sort of the, the chapters of your life with Bill and and not just on the field, but off the field, because you guys had some big personalities, and together it made quite the tandem.
2: Bill was quite the guy. You know, when I came in, Bill was the starter at fullback. And I came in, and, and Tommy Mason was the other mm. starter. And, uh, and they were playing one game towards the end of my rookie year, you know, and uh, Tommy Mason, would, all of a sudden, he went down on the field. And I was probably the fourth team running back at that time. And all of a sudden, Norm Van Brocklin, hollers, Osborne. I stayed as far away from him as I could, because we were all scared of <laughs> him. <laughs> and I came running up there. To the, he put his arm around me like a dad would do. And he looked he looked in my right in my eyes, and then big blue eyes. And he said, "Get in there and see what you can screw up." And he shoved me on the field. And when, when he said, "Get in there and you see what you can screw up," he didn't use that terminology. It was a little bit oh, rougher yeah. than that. But yeah. he pushed me on the field. I went stumbling on the field. And uh, ten years later, I was still out there. Well, so Boom Boom and I, we we started together for like eight or nine years. Then when Boom Boom kind of stepped aside, Chuck Foreman came, and then I moved over and played the fullback spot, and Chuck Foreman played halfbacks. There were good times. We had good people, great people. We're, we're the best of friends today,
1: all of us, you know. And Dave, you were uh, one of the 50 greatest Vikings. What was that honor like, and what does that mean to you?
2: You know, when that, when that came around and I was picked as one of the 50 greatest Vikings, uh, that, that you know, made me feel real good to think that well, out of 50 years, you know, I was one of the top guys on that team and supported that team and, you know, made a lot of yards for him. So yeah, that was, that was quite an honor that I really, really appreciated
0: it. Dave, you mentioned uh, some of the defensive players on your team, the legendary guys like Marshall Eller, Page, Larson, you go on and on, Hilgenberg, uh, Kosalke. You have the opportunity if you want to use that word loosely to go against the likes of a Ray Nitschke, a Dick Butkus. I mean, what was that like? Were those guys as mean and vicious as we see them on film today?
2: Well, they were tough. You know, we used to go, you know, we used to practice and have some scrimmages against our own team. And our, our team was as tough as anybody ever played against our defense. But we used to go over there and play against Butkus and Nitschke. And I always made the comment, and I still say it today, when I'd run up in the line, and if anybody hit me, I could get another two or three yards. I'd just overpower mm-hmm. you. But when I used to play Chicago Bears, and Butkus would step up and step in the hole. He stops you dead in your tracks. You never got another yard when he made contact with you. He came into that hole with momentum, and I tell you, you were going backwards. He was probably the toughest linebacker, you know, that I ever played again. And then, you know, in support of that, he he actually was interviewed, and I heard one time on TV, he said, one of the toughest running backs I've ever tried to tackle was Osborne, he said. So I guess he felt the same way. Wow. That yeah,
1: said something. Yeah, that is. I mean, that, I mean, the respect of uh, those you play with and against is all, is all you can really ask for. I always
2: thought Buskett was just an animal. I mean, he just seemed like he was just an animal-type guy. And then in 1970 Pro Bowl, I was, went to the Pro Bowl, and he was on the same team as I was on. And he was the nicest, softest-spoken guy I've ever met. I couldn't believe that was the same guy that tried ripping my head off for all those years. And all of a sudden we're teammates and he's the nicest
1: guy you'd ever see. You know, so that's crazy. he had a different disposition. He when he got on that field, he was the killer, that's for sure. You ever get a chance to watch football today? And what are your thoughts on, you know, let's say Dalvin Cook and in, in the modern game, the way it stands now?
2: Well, you know, I watch all the Viking games and I can't believe how these running backs, when they were near the sideline, they run out of bounce. If we would have ran out of bounce when I played, the team would have harassed you all week. <laughs> when you got to the sideline, you turned up field, man. You got yourself another yard or two. Nowadays, they get the sideline, they jump out of bounds so they don't get hit. It's a, it's a different game. Yeah, Bud Grant, Would if you have jumped out of bounds and Bud Grant, oh, man, he might have cut you.
0: It's extraordinary to think about those times and uh, the personalities. And, and, and Pete was mentioning today's game and the facilities they have at, you know, the uh, Twin City Orthopedic and U.S. Bank Stadium. And I remember as a young reporter uh, going out to uh, Midway Stadium where you guys used to work out in St. Paul. And I don't even think you guys had a weight room. Did anybody lift weights back then? No. The only, the only guy that lifted weights on our whole team was Milt Sunday.
2: He would lift weights because, you know, Milt only weighed about 210 pounds. And he drank nutriment and, and lifted weights to try to get up to 220. <laughs> you know, so was That's little an offensive bigger. lineman. But, yeah. Yeah, he was offensive lineman. But, you know, I'll have to say about today's athletes, I mentioned how they run out of bounds and stuff, but they're, they're great athletes. They've all got big muscles on them, you know, from lifting weights. And back in our day, none of us lifted weights. But, you know, we were, we were tough. And, and we had a lot of guys with a lot of quickness. We didn't have the size, but the defenses weren't that big either. You know, so it was all balanced, it all balanced yeah. out. But we never had a guy – I remember Ed White came as our offensive guard, and he, he started getting up to around 250, 260 pounds, and they put him on a diet. They said, "Hey, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't play. You got to be down around 245." And he—he he was our biggest lineman. So I mean, they just—they uh, didn't want those big guys nowadays. You're not 300 pounds. They—they they don't want you.
1: And Dave, another thing different uh, about today's game is these guys don't have jobs in the off season. Did you have one? And mm-hmm. what did you do uh, to prepare yourself for life after football, even while you were playing?
2: You know, my, my first two years, I went back to North Dakota, and I went to graduate school, and I taught at high school. So I had a full-time job at a high school uh, teaching history. And then when I stayed down here all the other years, I stayed down here. And the last game was on Sunday. I went to work for the Pioneer St. Paul Pioneer Press on Monday morning. And oh, you went goodness. right from, from a football game to going to work. And I, I worked over there, had to walk over there, or drive over there, park on the island, go up the bridge, walk across that bridge when it was about 30 below into the office and uh yeah i was over there for uh, five or six years i worked i sold retail advertising in the off season. like i said there was no there was no time off really i mean you you made enough money playing football to get you through the year and had a little bit left over and then you went you went right to work that's just it's just the way it was nowadays they the guys i think they lift weights and go into the facility every day
0: hey Ozzy how does it feel when fans uh that remember you and watch you play with Bill Brown and all the great players come up to you today and say, you know, thanks for the memories. You really meant a lot to me and, and appreciate your hard work. But they know who you are and you meant a lot to them. And you did. Uh that has to make you feel pretty good.
2: Yeah it does. You know, it doesn't happen that often. Well today it doesn't because I got with a mask on every time I go to the store, you know? But uh... <laughs> well, there's that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, normally yeah, you go to the store and so forth and the older people recognize you. The younger people don't recognize you, you know, but, uh, but the older people, they all recognize you. Some of them will come up and talk and say, you know, those are great teams you had and and so forth. And want to talk a little bit, but they're avid, avid fans do that.
1: Now, Dave, I, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to meet you, uh, you know, with my tenure as a player and a coach and now doing the radio, but it was at charity events. It was being active, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the public and and serving the public. And you're still involved with the Vikings to this day. Um, what has that meant to you giving back to the community?
2: Well, we enjoy doing that, you know. and, and why, why enjoy it? Because the people that come up and greet you are people that are great fans and they remember you and they bring talk about the old days and so forth. So it kind of brings back, it kind of takes you back into your youth a little bit, you know, when you, when these people uh, remember all those things. So yeah, it's fun to do that. And I like to mix with the people and, and uh, have them talk about the old days and, you know, they always talk about old boom, boom Brown, you know, and Joe cap and everybody remembers these guys.
0: Is it hard to uh, have lost some of those good friends as well? Because uh, we are, and people are of a certain age right now. And you lose some of the legends that were not just teammates, but. Some of the great ones that are that are that passed on
2: you know i'm seventy eight okay most of the guys I played with you know are somewhere from seventy two to eighty two now
0: yeah. and every year two or
2: three of your friends die off and go away and uh, yeah it, it, it's it's very sad because you look at all these guys, you remember them as they were, you know mm. as the strength and power and so forth these had these guys had, and then all of a sudden they're gone, you know, and uh, you got to think hey I'm not that far away from that, but I've got a long ways to go. I predict that I'm going into the high hundreds. That's
0: idea. <laughs> You're going to top Sid, huh? Because I know you had a great <laughs> yeah, relationship doctor, with Sid.
2: <laughs> As I told, I told him I don't take any medicine. I don't take any pills, so I'm going to live a long time.
0: Well, Dave Osborne, I can't thank you enough. I hope you live to 105. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the friendship, and thanks for being a part of Skull Stories tonight. And uh, happy holidays, and and stay healthy because uh, you are carrying the torch. Yeah, we're. Uh,
2: <laughs> Both my wife and I were—we are healthy, and we, like you say, we're cautious. But uh, hopefully, we'll, this thing will be over with this summer, and uh, you know, we'll all be back to normal. We get back to doing the, the normal things we
0: normally do. Thanks so much, Ozzy. Appreciate it. Well, Pete, it was great catching up with Dave Osborne. I don't know if you had a coach that you were as in fear of as uh, Dave was, uh,
1: as far as Norm Van Brocklin, but. Uh, those stories continue to get better and better as the years go by. It, it is pretty remarkable. And and as a former player, you're grateful for for guys like Super Dave who, you know, really set the path and and brought this game, uh, the game of football, into prominence and allowed it to get to where it is now. We owe all of these guys a debt of gratitude.
0: You think about a guy making $9,000 a year, getting, what, a 1500 or $2,000 bonus and being really happy about it being able to go buy a couch and a basically a dining room set for his family to to start things off and being very happy about it. it,
1: it it's amazing. They were their own agents. I mean, it, it's, uh, it is amazing how far this game has come.
0: Looking forward to uh, wrapping this season up with the Lions on Sunday, and we'll, we'll take it from there and uh, eventually lead to the Super Bowl uh, to uh, see who, who's going to end up playing in the big game in Tampa Bay. We'd like to thank, again, Dave Osborne for helping us wrap up our Skull Story season finale. Pete, again, thank you again for a wonderful season. Happy New Year to you and your for the final time during this crazy 2020 season, thank you fans for tuning into Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Stay safe and we'll see you all again next year.